Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butcher's Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cookinpellets.com to buy your pellets right now. Also by the Chops Power Injector. Forget about using one needle to inject your meats. The Chops Power Injector system has four needles for your injecting pleasure. You can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, KansasCity.com. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, you can visit kcbs.us slash samstour for results, to register your team, or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com slash shop. Hi, this is Scott Greenia from Fairfax, Vermont, also known as Scotty BQ, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. A phone call is all it takes, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you would care to. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, your two bits of contact information. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you need to get the newsletter. It did come out a little late, but, you know... We're struggling through some technological things that happened last week. We'll get into that here in a second. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, it's the third Tuesday of the month. And, of course, no audios. Oh, shit. Hold on. Let's see if I can change this. I'm sure I didn't do it. 
audio, boom, 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 boom. boom. Now you have audio. All you missed was me saying that we were having technological issues since last week. We'll get into that here in a second. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, third Tuesday of the month brings the regular third Tuesday guest, multiple-time author, TV show host, cooking class instructor, barbecue hall of famer, Stephen Reichlin joins us on the show. Stephen. Then at 9.35, in a county in Florida, the IPC is cra- Still no audio? For real? Am I getting no audio? No audio? Yeah. Wait, uh, audio on two. Got it. Okay, yeah. Just refresh. I'm sure you'll get it. Uh, Jason Whitcomb, Unknown Barbecue Supply, will be joining us. We're going to be talking to Jason about some business. We're going to be talking about some patents. But more importantly, in case you forgot, in the annals of competition barbecue in a season, we are coming to the hotbed of competition barbecue season. They're going to compete in the Jack Daniels, so we're going to talk to them about that as well. Then we'll move on to the second hour at 10-14. They just won the latest Sam's Club regional final. And I believe the it was either the first or the second Sam's Club champ. I could be way off on that, but for some reason, I think he won the whole thing right in the beginning. Justin McClawn, Lucky's Q, will be joining us. So we'll recap the big win this past weekend, and we'll have a look ahead to the finals, which is uh, just in a couple weeks' time. So looking forward to catching up with Justin. And then at 9.30, or I'm sorry, then at 10.35... We will recap the weekend that was in Hartville, Ohio's Grill Fest slash Rib Contest for me. If you haven't been following, if you haven't been following me on any of the social media outlets, don't go there now. Wait for the story. Wait for the hilarity that ensues. Wait for my take on what I believe I could now press on competition barbecue to a certain degree, and it's not anything bad. I can tell you that. So that's what's happening on the show. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Let everybody know the show's on, okay? Get on the Facebooks, the tweeters, the Google Pluses, all that good stuff, and send out the links. OutdoorCookingChannel.com is the video link. Everybody can check it out. The new, not new, but the wood decor, the downstairs barn, if you will, the studio. Or you can go to my website, thebbqcentralshow.com, for the audio. That links you over to tunein.com. Or you can get it on Roku as well. Download the Outdoor Cooking Channel app on Roku or a lot of other IP television devices. And you're off and running. You can watch the show right from your big screen. All right, a lot of people to thank here over the course of the week. First and foremost, you would recall last Tuesday, late, almost showtime, I had to drop the message that we were not going to be having a show. Nished. Here's what happened. The USB board, one of the USB boards, was super loose, and it was causing an arc. That was killing the rest of the USB. So every time it would move or it would just kind of arc, it would just shoot through, causing a power oversurge, and it was shutting down the computer. There was no lead-up to that. It just happened 
last Tuesday, which of course, you know, has to happen to me right on show night about an hour out. The computer's got to take a dump, which it did. Now, helping me out over the course of the last five days, one Jeff Bish from Maverick Computer Repair, CPR Repair. And we've uh, A, upgraded, well, we've repaired the USBs, replaced those, brand new. We've upgraded the case to include multiple fans because, as I've said here time and time again, what I didn't take into account when I was building the studio, when I put in the lights, how hot as balls it was going to be in here in the summer, I did not take that into account. So this will help get a lot more air through the case and the most crucial components of the case itself, the computer itself. I think there's five fans in there, one on top. Two on one side, a big exhaust fan on the other side, one coming from the bottom. There's a lot of air getting pushed through here. Like a laying smoker, there's that much air getting pushed through it. So, and it's big too. I mean, it looks way more impressive than it did before. But it's up and running. I almost thought there was going to be no show again today. I ran it back over to Jeff. He did a little magic to it, and we're up and running. So, fingers crossed. The, it was only gremlins that maybe were play, playing around with me late last night into today. So everything happens to be running fine. Now, so thank you to Jeff and uh, the folks over at Maverick. Excellent job. We're back on the air live on this Tuesday. Secondarily, I want to thank a guy who I don't think I've ever had on this show before. I don't know if I've ever had conversation with him before. And I apologize if I'm saying your last name wrong. Kevin Huber. Or Huber, like Uber, but H, I'm going to go Huber. Stepping out literally out of nowhere to say, hey, I want to help. I run this huge IT company. We have a crap load of computers. We put them together. We take them apart, repair, support, all this other stuff. You know, let's talk about building the tower of power. Like this is going to be the current tower of power that I'm running now, but we're talking about the tower of power. And we have constructed one that we both feel is completely over the top, completely way more than I would need, that I would be able to have, well, if I get the real tower of power here over the next couple months, that will be the new main chassis, and then the current tower of power would be the backup just in case, and can also supplement as a remote tower of power getting me out on the road. So... There is that. So big thank you to Kevin for stepping up out of South Dakota. I believe Kevin's in South Dakota. Fantastic. You never know the reach until you understand where people are coming from to lend a hand. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you so much. Now, I do want to make an apology. This was supposed to be uh, last week's show to Tim Shop of Tim's Full Belly Deli. Uh, Ryan Group from Backdraft Barbecue and Clarence Joseph of Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue for the incredible failure I have created in terms of the teams of the year I will be following in 2020. I have done an absolutely miserable job of that. And I think, well, I'm good, you know, individually with each one of those guys. The concept was great. The concept was well-placed. And as Tim said in in his Facebook post, sometimes you just bite off more than you can chew, and I think I did. I get so locked in with getting the show ready that I I, sometimes I don't think about it or sometimes I'm not paying attention, and then 
All of a sudden, we're in the middle to late stages of September. 2016 rapidly coming to a close. I am nowhere to be found. Unbelievable. So I apologize again publicly to each one of those guys for not holding up my end of the bargain after they said, hey, we're more than willing to let it all hang out. Tim's Full Belly Deli, Backdraft Barbecue, Mom and Papa Joe's. Humble apologies. We're going to make it right, though. That's one thing I can tell you from being a sales guy. We don't do it right the first time. We're going to make it right. So I don't have a timetable for when we're going to make it right, but we're going to make it right. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Pit Barrel Cooker. And attention, folks, attention. Tailgating season is upon us, and now is your chance to be the hero of the parking lot. Pit Barrel Cooker, along with its partners, will award one lucky winner the ultimate tailgating package, including a loaded pit barrel cooker and all of the accessories, Yeti gear, Thermoworks digital thermometers, that's S plural, three best-selling barbecue books, and more. Snake River Farms will even provide a USDA prime brisket for the ultimate feast. Deadline to enter, 925-16. That's five days from now at midnight Eastern. Retail value somewhere around $1,305 or more. It's plenty. Uh, You can subscribe to my newsletter. If you subscribe to my newsletter, the link is in there. I'm also going to hook it up. Maybe I already shared it on Facebook. Yeah, I shared it on my Facebook page. You do have to opt in to enter. Again, deadline is September 25th. 2016. That's five days from now. Midnight Eastern. 1305. Retail value. Go to pitbarrelcooker.com slash tailgate giveaway 2016. That's the direct website if you don't want to look back. Pitbarrelcooker.com slash tailgate giveaway 2016. Look, uh, the Pit Barrel Cooker is a fun cooking vessel. Quite frankly, I think my chances of winning would have been a little bit more had I had a Pit Barrel Cooker versus being relegated to cook on A Cooker or B Cooker. The versatility is all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. The hook and hang method places food right in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie, giving you great tasting, perfectly cooked meat, each and every time in the industry is called consistency. Of course, the pit barrel has all the accessories that you want from a cooker. Unique rubs, removable ash pan, pit grips, turkey hangers, hinged grill grates, a full line of accessories that will really complete your pit barrel cooking experience. Best part, it's only $299 and it's shipped right to you for free. Don't take my word for it. The folks at AmazingRibs.com give the pit barrel cooker a top 10 rating in their gold division. That's happened three years in a row. Head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com. That's pitbarrelcooker.com. And enter for that contest. We're back with Steve Reichlin right after this. Stick around. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. This segment brought to you by Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, 500000 in cash. 
eternal bragging rights to be had should you win the whole damn thing. This weekend, Sam's Club Tour rolling into Midwest City, Oklahoma for the last regional final of 2016 season. It's almost done, if you can believe it. Keep up with Sam's Tour results and to see where the next event's at, kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. That's kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. My next guest is the third Tuesday of the month recurring guest, a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, a TV show host, a barbecue cooking class instructor, multiple-time author. Let's go ahead and uh, welcome back. Hold on a second. Retry. Let's go ahead and welcome back none other than the host of Project Smoke, now in its second season, Stephen Reichel. Joining us here on the show. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I am doing great. How about yourself? Absolutely fabulous, Stephen. Always appreciate the time you make for the show here. And a couple different topics that I thought we could discuss tonight. The first one, right off the bat, is, and this is something that we have talked about uh, probably years ago now, is the caveman steak process, which in the very high-level form is meat on live coals with no grill grate. Absolutely. My favorite way to cook a steak. <coughs> is it really? Is, is a, it your favorite way to cook a steak? Actually, that I first saw at a restaurant called Al Forno in Providence, Rhode Island. Mm. They called it a dirty steak. There was uh, actually an American president, Eisenhower, who used to make it at the White House. But what you do, build a bed of embers. You're working with natural lump charcoal. Fan off the ashes and lay the steak right on the coals. So, By the way, can you see me? Did the image come through or are we just doing audio? Uh, the image did not. Can you uh, hit the camera? It'll probably just show right back up if you do that. Where is the camera? Of course I can hit the camera. There you go. Look at this guy. Tech savvy. None other. Wow. He can write books and operate technology. All right, go ahead. Okay. So, so anyway, (coughs) bed of embers, you lay a nice thick steak directly on the embers. What happens? It grills. It smokes. It crusts. You get a little ash mixed in with the meat. It's an extraordinary experience. And you can take the same steak and cook it on the bars of a grill grate over charcoal fire, and it will be a very different tasting animal. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, the the first idea would be, oh my God, I'm going to put a cut of meat on blazing embers, and it's just going to burn like crazy. Is it because there's not oxygen really getting underneath the steak that you don't have that flare-up potential? Um, I suppose that's an element. I think also, you know, a charcoal, where the heat is in a charcoal fire is about three inches above the bed of coals. It's not directly on the coals. You know, people do walk on uh, live embers. Uh, uh, There are trust building and team building exercises where somebody will create a path, a 10-foot path of burning embers. People get very pumped and walk over the emptors in their bare feet. I must confess, I have not actually done this yet. Good. <laughs> are, do you plan on it? Uh, you know, there's a side of me that says, <laughs> gee, to, wa- <coughs> to walk the walk and talk the talk, I, I really should experience a fire from a caveman T-bone point of view, but haven't done it yet. Now, you said it's your favorite way to cook a steak. What do you? Is it just the flavor and the profile it sets that you can't get from anything else? Well, it's the flavor. It's also... Um, you get it. It cooks very unevenly in an odd way. So you get little kind of a charred piece next to kind of a 
uh, a quarter inch away from a piece that is, is sort of not charred. Uh, you get a little grit from the ashes. Uh, the burning meat actually issues a smoke flavor. I mean, it it tastes smoked. It's it's sort of a way to smoke a steak. And you know, this cave manning, I use it for uh, a lot of different foods. Like if you lay uh, corn on the cob in the husk on the embers and you burn the husk off till you see the bright yellow kernels, well, that burning husk smokes the corn. Ditto with an eggplant. You char the skin off an eggplant. Drives the smoke into the flesh. Um, is there any guideline as far as thickness of steak? Do you want to have it at least inch, inch and a half, or it doesn't really matter? It's just timing at that point. No, that's a good question. And actually, I do like to cook a steak that's at least an inch and a quarter uh, thick, inch and a quarter to inch and a half, because you do get, you know, the outside does get pretty well done pretty quickly. Throwing this method to the side and just talking about steak for a second, can you get too thick of a steak? I mean, it's two and a half inches too thick. I mean, do you ever get too decadent where it doesn't make sense? Never, man. Never? never. You know, yeah. there's a restaurant uh, that I really like in uh, Los Angeles called Kispaka, which means the cleaver. And they do a steak there that's called a costata. And it's, I'm, I'm going to try and show you here. It's about four fingers thick. And the way they cook it, it's so interesting. They sear one side over a hot fire. It's an almond wood fire. They sear the other side, and then they stand this thing upright, and they let the T-bone at the bottom of the steak conduct the heat through the meat. Mm. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it's served very rare. They serve it at 100 degrees, mm. and then you are free to send it back into the kitchen to get it done a little bit more. But that's how they avoid the kind of whole thing of ever overcooking a steak. I mean, that's what everybody gets. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com, his website, of course, and then uh, the TV show's website, Project Smoke, which is projectsmoke.org. Uh, keeping in the same vein of the steak here, Stephen, uh, I saw a blog post that you had made on all of these new cuts of meat that are coming out that maybe folks aren't familiar with or they've kind of heard and they haven't either gone out and found them or purchased them yet. Um, do you mind if we kind of run over those real quick? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Right. Uh, and in fact, I, uh, there's a terrific new grill restaurant in Miami, and it is called uh, Quinto La Huella, and it's at a new hotel called uh, the East Hotel. I'm actually out of my house for a little construction project, so I've been eating there a lot. And they do a steak called picanha. Now, if you read my blog, you probably read about picanha as a spit-roasted Brazilian meat a couple of years ago. Well, these guys take the same cut of meat, which is a fat cap sirloin, cut it into steaks about two inches thick. It's a big, thick strip of fat, pearly fat on the top. Grill it over wood fire. It's totally astonishing. A couple of other cuts I've had in the last year I've really enjoyed. There's a cut called a baseball steak, and it's uh, cut from the center of the top sirloin. And when you cook it, it sort of puffs up, it swells up, and it looks almost like a hardball. Uh, it's got that beefy quality of sirloin. It's small, so you get a nice char on the outside. Terrific steak. Another steak we're really keen on these days, uh, you know what a tri-tip is. Everybody knows what a tri-tip is, yeah. right? That boomerang-shaped uh, uh, cut from the end of the sirloin. Well, butchers have taken to cutting that uh, horizontally into steaks, and a tri-tip steak is really awesome. 
Some of the other ones that I had seen on the blog post there, Stephen, was a uh, this one particularly. Whenever I see the term ribeye, I'm immediately interested. And you were talking about yep. a ribeye cap. Yep. Uh, also known as uh, spinellus. And imagine that you're pe- pe- peeling the cap of a ribeye off. Uh, you grill it and then you slice it like a flank steak. In fact, you know what? I have a terrific picture of it. I'm going to post it on Barbecue Bible next week. And, and actually, maybe I'll post it on Facebook tomorrow. All right. Uh, now, uh, is that something that you have to go to a butcher to and say, hey, I specifically want the spinalis or the ribeye cap because I don't typically see it in my butcher case? Yes, you do. Uh, or there are mail order places, too, uh, that we will post on the website to find that. One of the other ones that I don't think I've heard of is a shoulder petite tender. Yeah, you know, the beef shoulder, um, it's a work muscle. It's a cluster of work muscles. So in general, it's very tough, and most of it winds up in hamburgers. But uh, a few creative butchers have taken to dissecting it, and there are muscles, sections of the muscle, like the flat iron steak comes from a beef shoulder, from a beef chuck. And it, too, is a very tender, well-marbled steak. By the way, speaking about uh, cavemanning, that's a terrific steak to, to lay on the coals to caveman. A couple other cuts here real quick, and then we'll move on to some other items here, Stephen. Uh, Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show. Denver cut. It seems like now either every city or every state is going to start getting a, a cut after them. Denver, the next one to follow suit. Yeah. Well, Miami has one. We call it the Palomilla, and it's a very thin slice of... Uh, top round cut maybe a quarter of an inch thick so that's a pretty tough cut of meat but when you slice it thin enough and you serve it with uh marinate it in a mixture called adobo which is a sour orange juice garlic cumin uh, marinade so that acidity breaks down some of the meat fibers and then you serve it with mojo sauce it's a fantastic steak it's sort of the original think of it as a tropical minute steak did you did you have a chance to look at the bonanza cut that i sent you I did look at that. I'm intrigued. I must confess I've never tried one, so uh, I'm going to reserve comment until I've actually had a chance to sample it. I guess one of the things that intrigued me the most about it is how the article, I mean, certainly, you know, the guy repurposes a cut of meat that sounds like it just kind of got thrown in the grinder with some of the other stuff that's traditionally ground. And he's sectioning it. There's two per side or two per carcass or whatever he said. But it sounded like it's something that you can... It tastes and appears better than it actually is, so this is where the restaurant or the food purveyor would be able to actually make some margin on perhaps a a traditionally thin margin to business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, I mean, there's the novelty factor. Some of these steaks are very inexpensive, and they really have a big flavor, but you know what will happen? I mean, the same thing that happened to to skirt steaks, for example, you know, Skirt steak used to be dirt cheap. I mean, ribs used to be dirt cheap, but we find these cuts of meat. Hanger steak, very inexpensive, and people find them and like them, and all of a sudden the price goes up. It's like Pinot Noir like seven years ago. Yeah, something like that. No doubt. Here's an item that I saw that I have to get your take on. And, uh, you know, I think in the beginning of the show, I was was very – I don't want to say snobby, but I was pretty definitive in the way that I was looking at what is barbecue and what is grilling and what constitutes one or the other. And over time, I've evolved. I've accepted a a term called live fire cooking, which kind of encompasses everything that we're doing outside. Me too. Me too. Here's 
where my snobbery wants to sneak back in. I was on uh, Meathead Goldwyn's AmazingRibs.com forum, and all these guys started throwing around sous vide barbecue. So you were starting mm. a brisket or a pork butt or chicken or whatever in the uh, sous vide bath for what it seemed like an extreme amount of time compared to how you would just do it even traditionally, but holding that aside. And then at once it reached, let's say, 165, you take it out of the water bath and then finish it on your respective cooker. It seems like it, an incredibly large, I have so much time, I don't know what to do with it type of a situation for a product that may or may not yield that much better of a result. I am uh, not a sous vide guy. At uh, all? And uh, No, I, I'm not. In fact, when my wife and I dine out at restaurants, we will ask if dishes are done sous vide, and if they are, we won't order them. Really? Now, the theory behind it, you know, you cook at an extremely low temperature in a sealed plastic bag, enables you to reach to the precise degree, the internal temperature, then you put a sear on the outside. Um, I, I just, to me, you know, there's a... There's a certain violence that comes when you expose meat to fire and you get that violence, that sort of life struggle in the texture and the flavor. And sous-viding may give you classic textbook, you know, even coloration, exact degree of doneness, but to me, a sous vide steak just just can't even come to the ankles of a, a live fire cooked steak. So what what kind of commentary or dialogue is opened then when you have, and we can kind of throw barbecue off this side because I don't even consider sous vide. If you're starting at sous vide, then it, it can't finish. All of a sudden, finishing it on a smoker doesn't make it barbecue, so I don't count that. That's where my snobbery reigns supreme there. But just or, finish, or if you're st- talking about a steak, finishing on a grill, which is what a lot of people do. You know, I think for from a chef's point of view, uh, there are advantages to sous vide enables you to control your inventory much more accurately. You can sort of pre-cook your meat most of the way and then just finish it on the fire, finish it with a smoker. Um, And and I guess I should, to be completely honest and transparent, uh, tell you that, you know, Nathan Mirvold, who is the the modernist cuisine visionary, uh, wrote the most amazing uh, cookbook uh, called Modernist Cuisine, I went to his laboratory in Seattle, and this is uh, this guy's one of the pioneers of the sous vide method, and he served a pastrami beef rib that was one of the two or three best things I've ever eaten in my life. So, uh, you know, just on a gustatory uh, standpoint, I guess you can achieve some achieve some pretty amazing results, but. Uh, that's not what it's about for me. I don't look to the future. I look to the past. You know, I look to Homo erectus 1.8 million years ago, <laughs> discovering how to cook meat over fire. That's where I want to be. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. A couple more questions here before I let you go tonight and appreciate the time as always. Uh, I heard you were working on some type of a redo of the bestseller barbecue Bible sauces, rubs, and marinades. Yeah, crazy thing. That book came out 16 years ago. Wow. I mean, I feel like it came out yesterday, but uh, we, uh, we decided to bring it out again. Uh, I'm adding uh, 50 brand new, never previously published recipes. You know, uh, I mean, barbecue continues to evolve like technology and like everything else. So there were certain dishes, sauces I made then that I wouldn't find palatable now. Uh, there are new flavors like Korean gochujang, uh, like uh, Spanish pimenton. Uh, Sriracha. 
I mean, that are really part of the American barbecue vernacular today. And so I, um, you know, publishers said, oh, we'll just do the book. You know, it won't be a big deal. I mean, I've been working on it for two months because this really is going to be a new book. Finally, uh, dates for Barbecue University, which is a, a highly sought after class. Barbecue University, uh, I believe the dates, I should have this on the tip of my fingers, uh, June 8th to 11th and 11th to 14th, I believe. But if you go up to barbecuebible.com, uh, we have listed the uh, we, we have listed the new program. We're open for enrollments now. All right, uh, Stephen Reichlin is our guest uh, this time around. We agree that we are poo-pooing sous vide uh, me to a certain degree. Stephen altogether, which I am uh, completely amazed by, and I appreciate his candor and honesty as always. BarbecueBible.com, his website ProjectSmoke.org. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, Greg, you always do a great job. Uh, talk to you next month. All right, there he is, Stephen Reichlin. Can you believe the Stephen Reichlin Barbecue University slash Hall of Famer comes out? The hell? Nice transition bag. Let's try that again. I gotta get back. Man, you, you go out for a week, man. You lose everything. Timing's off. Got nothing going. I got nothing, Jerry! He comes on the show once a week. No, once a month. There we go. Got to get my stuff lined back up. I look at the picture here, and I have to, I, my microphone isn't on center because, you know, you get the pop, pop, pop. So I, I have it off center to eliminate some of the pops, which you guys probably don't even realize, but, you know, what have we all known? My mania is so great that I, I if I hear it, I just think everybody else hears it. Some of the other steaks that we didn't really mention because we were quickly running out of time. Uh, he had mentioned flat iron steak, if you haven't tried that. I'm seeing that on restaurant menus like all the time now. Uh, the ribeye cap, we did mention that shoulder petite tender, the Denver steak, and then the uh, top sirloin butt strip steak. The bonanza cut, if you want to Google bonanza cut and read about that, that one just got released as being a new cut maybe uh, less than a month ago. I had done a story on AmazingRibs.com podcast out there. And I am really having an internal struggle with trying to keep my barbecue snobbery in check by not jumping down the proverbial throats of these people that are cooking briskets and pork butts sous vide and then finishing them in the cooker. Look. Unlike Stephen, I get the majesty of sous viding a steak and then doing the blazing fire thing just to char it on the outside or uh, sear it on the outside to lock in the juices. I cannot see for the life of me dropping a huge-ass brisket or pork butt for like 30 hours. 30 hours?! What the hell are you doing? Do you know how many pork butts you could cook in 32 hours the regular way? Plenty. 16? 20? If your cooker's big enough, you could cook 40. I mean, how long does it take to cook one pork butt at 250 degrees? 8 pounds? 12 hours, maybe? Come on. Stop it. You're being ridiculous. Just call it sous vide pork, sous vide pulled pork. Also, they've invented something else for that. It's called uh, crock pot. 
Not barbecue either. Thanks again to Stephen Reichlin. I'm going to talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers. Look, if you didn't know, Big Papa's is the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue. Featuring a comprehensive selection of American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa's has made a name for itself in recent years by winning all of the major barbecue competitions that are currently out there with their award-winning line of championship rubs. They've also banded together with fellow California-based rub maker Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying the conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They have also created two unique competitions of their own, King of the Smoker, which brings a best of the best, and back in a barbecue head-to-head This is a back-to-basics competition. King of the Smoker unique in the fact that contestants may not use any electric devices, such as pellet cookers or pit minders. Contestants are just allowed to use charcoal, wood, and their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. The other one is the guinea pig, which is a cost-controlled competition that helps bring in newcomers to the competitive barbecue. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category and helps provide incentives to get new competitors in the barbecue world. But it's not just a beginner's competition. Some of the top teams in the KCBS are taking part in the guinea pig wherever they are popping up, and they're starting to pop up more and more. On top of all of that, they created the unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S., Keep in mind, they've been able to do all of this with only six years of being in business. Turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating a unique competition, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. By the way, I did go to BJ's Restaurant and Brew House last night and ate a dish with Desert Gold Big Papa Smokers rub in it. I did. It was good. BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. All right, we are back with the IPC representative, potentially president, Jason Wickham. Stick around. Be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. How about something medium-sized? They got you covered there. Small to take on tailgates or camping trips, whatever. They can supply you with pellet cookers as big as you want. Also, pellets to fire them. GreenMountainGrills.com. The website, Green Mountain Grills. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You can love yours as well. All you got to do is just visit the website for crying out loud. All right, my second guest tonight, a championship pitmaster for one of the most consistent and successful teams in the IPC, but is also in the business of barbecue, making some of the coolest hinges 
for the barrel and bullet style smokers, as well as some great other products to make your barbecue and grilling life more efficient. Team is also qualified to cook this year's Jack Daniels World Championship Barbecue Cook-Off, and he is a trusted partner of the Barbecue Central Show. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome back the pitmaster of Unknown Barbecue, Jason Whitcomb. Jay, how are you, man? Good, Greg. How you doing? Absolutely fabulous, Jason. Appreciate you making time for the show here this evening. And uh, I guess before we get into the uh, competition talk and some business stuff, I have to make mention because, you know, somebody who's trying to grow a brand like me and stretch out and get the legs out, increase the listenership, social media, a big part of that. And Unknown Barbecue has a bomb-ass social media presence, especially the Instagram. And, you know, I don't know if I have ever seen a crappy-looking rib picture that you guys have ever posted. So from a social media tactic, Jason, do you guys employ something specifically to kind of keep you moving through that space, or, or how do you pick and choose what goes up and what doesn't make the cut? Pardon the pun. Uh, well, my brother's pretty much headed that off and, and took a big interest in getting that. Uh, it basically, what started Instagram on the Unknown Barbecue was my brother got kicked off of Facebook. Kicked so, off? Kicked off of Facebook? He, he got booted. He wasn't using his real name, so he's like, man, I'm going to focus on Instagram. So he went Instagram 100%, and uh, he, he set his uh, his Dorsey is the one, my brother, and uh, his goal was to post one picture a day of barbecue that we do, and that seems to be the ticket. So it just blew up. Um, it, he started doing that every day. Even when he didn't want to do it, he just made sure he got a picture stuck out there. And it's always the stuff that we're cooking. And uh, it, you could see it start growing and growing and growing. And we're kind of like, hey, man, that's pretty cool. And then it just started getting, you know, you had a 1,000 followers. And it's not, this is crazy. And that's 10,000. That's all the way up to, I think, 23,000 followers wow. right now. And with the pictures... Everybody wants to see those those pictures, but now they're doing the videos, yep. and we've started messing around with that, and it just kind of went crazy on that stuff. So that's, I mean, that was that's kind of our method in getting the getting the thing rocking and rolling on that. You know, once you get like so many followers, and you're able to achieve, I think it's a, a thousand likes or more on a post, you start having brands approach you and start chipping you off some cake for that have you guys been approached to do any like promotion of stuff or sponsorship of stuff or not yet not not yet i've talked to my brother about it and he said nothing's really you know instagram's messaging him and telling him hey you know this you know i think we put a couple videos up over the weekend that has over thirty thousand views and and i think the majority of the likes that we're getting are over a thousand on any picture that we're posting so i mean they're they're pretty consistent um as far as the kickbacks and sponsors and stuff jumping, I haven't seen anything yet, but um, I don't think it's very far away. Jason Wickham joining me here on the show. Team Unknown Barbecue, the, uh, the website unknownbbq.com slash shop if you want to go ahead and get some of those awesome products we're going to talk about here in just a second. Uh, Jason, I did my first rib contest this past weekend down in a place called Hartville, Ohio. And the guy who won used an electric knife to cut his ribs. And I've seen many of the videos you were just talking about when you guys are cutting ribs. You use an electric knife. Um, why electric knife versus 
like a brisket knife, uh, knife or a slicing knife. In in 362 days, I might be looking to go back down to Hartville to win the second annual Rib Fest. So I want to give myself the best shot at winning. Is that key? Um, the electric knife. I we wait to the very last second to cut it, and I know exactly how long it takes me to cut with that electric knife. And sometimes you might get a bark that on your ribs or, or on your brisket that doesn't want to, you know, you could, I get more consistency cutting with electric knife and less damage to the meat than when I do a slicing knife. Sometimes your slicing knife works great, but if it catches just a piece of bark, you just happen to have a little harder spot on it for that, for that contest or the, the brisket has a little bit of a fat streak going through the fat cap. It, it'll kind of mess up your presentation. So electric knife is the quickest, most efficient way for what, I've had to do. Um, so that's kind of our go-to when it comes to that. Bottom line is it's the best cut each and every time. I'm very consistent with it. Right. And Cuisinart is the black and gray knife. Thin blades, that's our go-to. We, I think we've got three of them in our trailer just in case something happens. All right, I'm making, uh, co- I'm making copious notes here so I can uh, win next year. That uh, I, I did slice with a bri- I, I sliced with my slicing knife. I don't know if I mean everything sliced okay, so I think I probably got away with it. But I, you know, I, I never want to risk anything when it comes to now that uh, you know, Jason, us competitors <laughs> have to uh, you know do what everybody else is doing. Nevertheless, segueing into or staying in the competition realm here, Jason is Jack Daniels. Uh, you guys qualified for the Jack Daniels this year. Have you been down there before? Or is this first time? Never, first never. time. All right, so we're super stoked about it. How do you uh, dream come true, how guess. do you, how do you go about qualifying? What's the path to success here? Um, if the people don't know about it, it's, um, minimum twenty five teams, professional, um, that that uh, makes you where it could be a qualifying contest for the Jack or the Royal, um, and you got to win GC at that contest, cook all four meat categories, um, and I don't remember what the year starts. I think it's October to October, something like that. So. Um, it's not a calendar year. It's kind of wacky. But <clears throat> you can either win seven and get an automatic draw, um, or there's, I think, a handful of larger contests, the Houston Livestock Rodeo, the Royal, and some other things that you can win and get an automatic. We got lucky. You can you get a bung. Every grand championship you get for that year, you get a bung thrown into the, into the bag uh, with your name on it, and they draw one from every state. Then they... Uh, they have one wild card that they pull at the end every year since 2009, 2009 or 2010, we've qualified for it. And we've just, you know, every time the Jack draw comes up, everybody's on social media wanting to know who's there, who's going to post it, who's watching, you know, kind of keeping up with it. And every year we've been like sitting there with our ears perked up, like just waiting, you know, and we've had, I think up to five bungs in one year. This year was slow, 2015, end of the t- 2016, had a baby on the way. Uh, we didn't get to cook as many contests. We were really kind of in a slump, and uh, we went out to Venice down in Florida and uh, walked away with a G- uh, GC there. So that was our one chance into the draw, and uh, the draw came up. We didn't. I really, um, I didn't even know the draw was going on that day until you know after lunch sometime i'd seen some on social media normally we're watching it and everybody's like hey have you heard anything and all that so it was like 
this year was like, we're going to go the 180 degree out. We're not going to pay attention to it. I'm not going to worry about it because <laughs> everything else hasn't worked. And I'm out here working in the garage and I get a text from, uh, rub Bagby saying, congratulations. And, and I'm like, what? It's probably an hour after the draw had already taken place and people had posted the list. And that's how that, that was our mojo right there. We didn't watch. We weren't paying attention. So that's how we got into the Jack. You know, Jason, there's a certain mystique that the Jack carries with it, the draw, the location, the history. Do you feel that this event really deserves that special kind of reverence or is it kind of just like any other, just a little bit more pop if you win it? No, that's most definitely the most prestigious in my eyes and a lot of other teams' eyes when it comes to contests because they're so hard to get in it. You know, it doesn't mean the best teams are going to get in it that year. You know, you got a lot of teams that's that's won six GCs and they didn't get the draw and they didn't get that seven to get the automatic. So <clears throat> the best teams aren't necessarily going, but you can bet your your ass that everybody there is uh, deserves to be there. And it's been on our bucket list, and we were kind of just kind of wrote it off. It was just we tried five or six years in a row, and we're like, Jesus, you know, this just isn't meant to be. <laughs> and uh, same thing. Other people were getting the draw off with one, with one bunk. So it was like, I don't think we're ever going to go. And then it happened to us, so I'm sure people are looking at us. They only had one other thing that's crap. <laughs> so we're thrilled, and uh, we were uh, – super stoked to go and we're really looking forward to the the whole experience i've heard nothing but good things about lynchburg and the jack jason wickham joining me here on the show team unknown barbecue the website unknownbbq.com slash shop again as we're going to talk about the products here in a second uh jason there have been some teams in the past uh, first time down everything's going on kind of lose track of what the cook is supposed to be like because they're involved in some of the other goings on and through no fault of their own. I mean, you want to take it all in. You want to have that experience because you don't know if you're ever going to get back, right? So what's the agenda for you guys to go down, get the experience you want, but also dial in for a shot at that GC at the end? We're Our plan is to go up there and cook the way we know how to cook. Um, we were all talking and we're like, do we want to go into all the da- all the different ancillaries and, and stuff? And you know, we got somebody that's going with us that cooks some of our desserts and she really wants to do the desserts and, uh, all these things. And then, um, we were like, well, do we want to concentrate on this contest? They got the, you don't know Jack about barbecue. You don't know Jack about grilling or whatever for the Friday morning event. Do we want to get that interference in there and have to go over there and cook a little side thing? Or do we want to just mark that off and just concentrate on the contest or do we want to take it all in? So it's kind of 50, 50. We're like, you know what? we're going to go up there and we're going to get into everything we can get into and we're just going to give it a hundred percent and, you know, hope for the best. I don't want to sit over there in a corner worried about if we're going to, you know, do everything right versus, you know, I don't want to be driving home going, man, I wish I would have done that. So we're taking, we're just going to do what we can. And, uh, we have a a pretty large team. So I don't think we'll be shorthanded when it comes to all the ancillaries and little things like that. So we're doing the, uh, doing the tour and all that. So, it's uh, definitely a lot to take in in such a small period of time, but I don't know if I'm ever going back, so i got to make the best of it. Jason Wickham joining me here on the show. Uh, Jay, just to segue a little bit to get into the business side of things, uh, hinges, what's new with the hinge world and how's the business going? Um, everything's st- 
still on track. Uh, I think two or three weeks ago, I finally got the, um, I was awarded the patent on it, the design patent. Um, so that was a two and a half year wait wow. of, uh, going through a bunch of different headaches and stuff like that. But, um, that's done. So I feel like I've, uh, you know, completed something, <laughs> uh, and the engines are just, uh, still building the mess out of them and, uh, can't even keep up shipping them. So, uh, that thing's still going strong and uh, a couple other little things going, but yeah, competing in barbecue, building hinges and day job and family. And so we're, we're uh, full time. Yeah. You're burning into both ends, right? Yeah, most definitely. No That's doubt. the only way to do it, I suppose. That's right. Uh, Jason Whitcomb is the pit master for team unknown barbecue. They're going to be going down to Lynchburg, this coming, well, it'll be next month, right? When is it? Yeah. Uh, October 21st or 22nd. All right. So That's Saturday. Right towards the end of uh, October there. Uh, Jason, yeah. of course, we wish you tremendous success. And uh, hopefully you guys can, you know, take in the experience, but also get down there and, and do the IPC Proud, which we know you're going to do. Uh, again, the website, unknownbbq.com. Always appreciate the time, Jay. Thanks so much, man. Greg, thanks for having me on, buddy. You got it. There he is. All right, Jason Whitcomb from Team Unknown Barbecue. About that. What did I... the hell just happened there? Not now. What did I do? Oh. <laughs> oh, that's my new zebra chair, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, my lord. I told you, man, you can take a week off and you got to get all your skills back together. You know, just me down, just me back here. By the way, it is hot as hell in here tonight. Holy crap. Am I sheening here? I'm getting ready to break out in a full fat man sweat. Holy cripes. By the way, I am shigging in a tremendous way in regards to knife stuff. All the comp- Hey, us competitors that are in the uh, chat room, call out if you use electric or slice. Say electric or slice. Call out. Just want to see what us competitors are using these days. While I'm waiting for your answers, let me talk to you for a few minutes about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. Gang, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cooker, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why would you buy from anybody else? Not familiar with how these little beauties work? I'm not going to get into the minutia this time around, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature and once set, keeps it running at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. It's real-life technology. You can take advantage of it right today. Because maybe you're a busy working professional like me, or perhaps you're constantly on the run with your kids, you're doing errands, and quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. I get it. The Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. number of different models to choose from. CyberQ Wi-Fi is more for the tech guy. Somebody wants to connect their iPhone, their smart device, their tablet, netbook, laptop, whatever. You can control up to two separate cookers with that, by the way. The other one is the Party Q. It is the, let's call it the cruise control of automatic pit temperature control devices. 
It's about 149 bucks or so. Go to the Barbecue Guru's website for complete pricing. If you're in the market for a cooker, no better looker cooker than Onyx Oven. The Onyx Oven has been winning on the competition circuit as well as in backyards all over the country. Fully insulated, accommodates a whole bunch of meat. Half and full pans for food service. Works seamlessly with any Barbecue Guru pit temperature control device. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com. That's thebbqguru.com. And check out what they have. If you have any questions, call them directly. 800-288-GURU. 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, 800-288-GURU or thebbqguru.com. All right, we're back to wrap up the first hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. Be right back. Interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back to 166 Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Let me quickly scroll up here. John Solberg, the Nug Chair. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, he's talking about this chair. It'll come up here. The Nug Chair, the Snuggy Chair. Whiskey Bent Barbecue uses electric. Daniel, uh, Dennis Daniel, U.S. competitors. What does that mean? Electric and slicer. Electric and slicer, Tim? Dr. Evil Barbecue. Slice. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Dirk Mullins. Both. Both? Charlie Jackie. Slicer. Wow. Can someone educate me on both? I agree. If one's too, if one's firm, you'll use the slicer. But if it's not, you'll go knife. Kevin Glenn using the slicing knife. Wow. I might be off the electric knife immediately. Doug, help me out. What should I be doing? I only got 360 days to win the next grill fest down in Hartville. Time's running out. My time is rapidly coming to a close to win again. Let's go. Let's get me on the winning track. All right, thanks again to Jason Whitcomb from Team Unknown Barbecue. Slice around the brisket. All right, Dennis Daniel calming me down right here. Greg, start with electric when you cut chick- chicken. Pre-cut your ribs. You should only pull pork. So no knife needed and brisket bears. Chop it and turn it in. Sound sage advice from a savvy veteran. Dennis Daniel. 
Alright, I'm I'm trying electric. Only me can go to a rib cooking competition with zero, count them zero slabs of ribs because the contest was providing ribs, two racks, and leave with five racks of ribs. Only me. Remember, showed up with zero uncooked ribs, left with five slabs of uncooked ribs. Plus, I cooked two and turned them in. That's what happens when you show up. When you're me and you show up, you leave with more than you came. And great stories. We'll get into that in the second hour. All right, uh, we're going to step away. And when we get back, we will... I hear you, John. He's like, dude, this is complicated stuff. Slice for this, knife for that. I mean, is it safe to say it's a 50-50 split amongst people that use electric knives and slice knives? I don't know. I'm going to start a poll. Poll. Uh, thanks to Stephen Reichlin. He was a guest this hour. BarbecueBible.com, ProjectSmoke.org, and Jason Whitcomb, partner of this show. UnknownBBQ.com slash shop. That's UnknownBBQ.com slash shop. All right, I'm going to go take a cold shower and get out of the sweat box for five seconds. And we'll be back to resume the second hour here shortly. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Hang on. show Boing. we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to hit me fine how you doing <laughs> you have a great show i'm a big fan Boing. so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle charbono it's all about the charbono dude Succulent fish, what? He ate 54 wieners. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Hey, yo. Uh, folks, you found the Barbecue Central show. It's freaking camera. You know, it's it's very set. See now I've I mean, Jesus. Boing. You just can't get everything straightened out the way you want it, right? Got to be this way. Now my colors. What the hell? Hit me. What if I white it out? Hey, there we go. It worked. The white paper worked. Okay. 
Again, you found the Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things aboard in the world of barbecue and grilling. We do it here in Cleveland. It's live tonight. It is the 20th of September. This is not a repeat of last week. Why isn't it a repeat of last week? Because it wasn't on last week. Still to come on the show tonight, Justin McGlawn, the pitmaster of Lucky's Q, to talk about his big win this past weekend. And the big anticipated rib cook-off recap for me this past weekend. The Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour rolled into Madison, Wisconsin this past weekend. This was a regional final that feeds the Bentonville-Arkansas National Final and the top six teams moving on to the National Final. Sorry, six teams. Nay, ten teams moving on to the National Final. In particular order, as I've mentioned already, Grand Champ. And this is not a mistake when I say this. With a 705.7, Lucky's Q, 705. Reserve Grand Champ with a 702.8, good enough to win any other weekend 99% of the time, totally sauced. 702. 702 was not, just so you're hearing me correctly, 702, not good enough to win. Not good enough to win. Third place, 1-2 Barbecue with a 694.2. Smoking Hookers Barbecue LLC, best name ever. 693.6, Big Brothers Barbecue, 689.7, City Slickers Barbecue with a 689, Pork Butts BBQ, 689, Chicken and Grinning, 687, T-Max Smokin', 686.8, and rounding out the top 10 and going to Bentonville, Foul Butt Barbecue with a 685. Let me see if I can possibly do the math here. Uh, that is a 20... Damn near a 20-point win for Justin McGlawn and Team Lucky's Q. Wow. Wow. Three points between one and two. 25 points. Wait, 20? 30? 20 points? Whatever. Let's call it 20 points between one and ten. Dominating performance from Lucky's Q. Wow. Pretty incredible. We're going to talk to Justin next about that incredible win. Congratulations to all those teams moving on to the national final in a couple weeks. The next Sam's Club stop this coming weekend, the 24th, I believe, in Midwest City, Oklahoma. That is a regional final. That's the last regional final before the big one, week after that. Good luck to all those competing. So, let's see. It was, this was the uh, 18th. So, uh, a week ago this past Sunday was the 15th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. A day that I will never forget, as I make mention on this show each and every week at the end. For so many reasons, I I mean, for the obvious reasons, yes. Uh, I do want to give uh, my mom and dad a uh, special nod and thanks to the uh, shirt that just came in the mail today that they got for me. (laughs) 
Hey, Bob. What's up? Okay. So, uh, thank you, Mom and Dad, for the shirt. Do you want to get on the camera? Or All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Rempe, my oldest daughter, says hi. There you go. You have been blessed now. You can all retire. Um, where did it go? Look, uh, you know, I used to do whole segments of the show. Looking back on September 11th, I uh, did have something a little bit more substantial planned for last week, and then uh, the computer cratered. But see, now I don't, I don't even know if that color looks right anymore. It's unbelievable. Um. 15 years ago, you have a, a, a much younger, what, 30, 25-year-old? Am I 25, 15 years ago? 27, 15 years ago? Driving out to Sandusky, Ohio, working for a, a much different company back then, and listening to the Howard Stern show, surfing through cornfields in my car at that point, and hearing Robin Quiver's interrupt whatever the whatever shenanigans and Tom Fooley they were talking about to say a plane not and you know when I hear a plane I think propeller plane not jet had flown into the World Trade Center and then minutes later reporting that an, then the next time she said it was a, a jet had flown in and I literally because I was just in my car there was really no other great forms of entertainment at that point like it like it is now i mean you can get anything now so i switched over to the news channel after i heard that and of course the news channels had busted into the big news local channel reporting the same thing wow i cannot believe it i double back home i'm racing back home i have no idea i'm sure there was cleveland was now nowhere on the radar but when this is happening and then you hear about the Pentagon also getting flown into, there was an additional plane that ends up going down in Shanksville. What's one to think? You know, I'm running back home. My my daughter was just, my that girl that just said hi was four months old. And I'm like, what is going on? What kind of a world is she into? And look where we're at now. 15 years later, luckily nothing to the scale is here. I don't know if we're any safer or if we're not. I know we're a lot more inconvenienced, but I'm not going to bitch about it because I want to give ourselves the best opportunity to be safe if possible. But uh, that day will never be erased from my memory and to watch some of the shows that I've seen before and uh, or have never seen before in regards to looking back on September 11th. Two weeks ago, my wife and I spent a lot of the day just kind of watching those shows when we got back home from softball and just kind of reliving those feelings again and watching. I mean, how how different did the world even look 15 years ago? Technology and the way things just look. I mean, that seemed like, I mean, 15 years ago seemed like a like a lifetime ago. And for a lot of people, it, it was the beginning of a whole new life to where we're at present day. So I, I please, please 
As and as time and more time goes by, it's just an event that will be studied about. This is the first generation of high schoolers, I believe it is, that are being taught through textbook about September 11th. Like it, it's an actual legitimate historical event, like the war in Saratoga and the uh, Antietam and all this other stuff. September 11th is an event that they teach kids. It's just not something that you talk about. So I I beg of you, I ask of you that no matter how much time continues to march on and the farther and farther away we get away from it, because the farther you get away from things, the more that just seems like it just happened. Never forget how you felt. Never forget where you were and what that moment was making you feel like. And that's why I recognize in each and every show at the end. Because I, I never want anybody to forget what it was like there and what you felt like and, and how that changed everything. Everything changed that day. All right, uh, we are coming up with Justin McGlawn from Lucky's Q. I'm going to talk to you quickly about the CHOPS Power Injector System. The 2015 and 2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year. That's right, they come in three awesome sizes to fit your injecting needs. For the backyard cook, to the caterer, to the restaurant chef, to the competitor, there's a power injector right for you. Let's break it down. The number one seller is the half-gallon chops power injector. Designed for the competition guy or the backyard warrior like me. Easy to use. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go, right? If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. Comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector, 100 bucks plus you pay shipping. The one-gallon chops power injector system is designed for catering and bigger jobs. It holds double the amount of the half-gallon. Some use it in competitions, like when you're cooking MBN whole hog or 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector, 120 bucks plus you pay shipping. The newest one... Not so new now, but it's new to us. The CHOP's full power injector system. It's electric. It's the commercial and competition Big Daddy. It's not a holding tank, but a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. From a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum, it was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. And he said time and time again that with the CHOP's full power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, 2-inch, 11.5-gauge needles, 3-plug screws, and a needle protector. $325 plus you pay the shipping. A number of the top pitmasters in the world are using the Chops Power Injector System every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. Here's the deal. We live in a foodie world that requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. And it's not just for meat. How about an alcohol-infused watermelon? You can do it. Every injector hand-assembled right in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories. You want them, they got them. You want to shoot medium ground spices, they got you covered for that. They have two, three, four-inch, 12-gauge needles. They also have a two-inch clothes-tip needle, perfect for shooting fatty meats to keep from plugging up the needles with fat. They sell replacement stock needle adapters and plug screws. They have a great upgrade you can buy to make a CHOPS injector system bulletproof. Metal needle adapters. Great idea. Chops Power Injector Systems. Give your barbecue some power. The website, uh, barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. Barbecuekansascity.com. we, we got to get Dan Uledal back up because he's opening up a barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, believe it or not. Like, 
There's a lot of barbecue restaurants out there. Let's go open one in Kansas City, right? Yeah, why not? We can do that shit. Dan, I'm coming for you, man. Plus, we can continue to talk about the great CHOPS power injector system. We're back with Justin McGlawn right after this. Stick around. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. This portion of the show being brought to you by... Cookinpellets.com, your number one resource for cooking pellets. If you have a pellet-fired cooker, don't get pellets from anybody else. Stop right there. Head on over to cookinpellets.com and check out their full line of pellets to fire those pellet cookers. Also, don't be fooled into thinking that some people say that those warranties, you got to use them. Forget it. You don't have to. All right, joining me now, somebody you've seen on the show a number of times. And this past weekend, they rolled into the latest and greatest Madison, uh, Madison Wisconsin regional final for the Sam's Club National Barbecue Team. Merrily walked away with a commanding 705.7 to win it. Justin McGlawn, Lucky's Q. Jay, what's up? Not much. How you doing, Greg? Dude, 705.7. Are you kidding me? We had a good day. That's all I can say. <laughs> good day. I mean, that's uh, that, that has to be one of the higher scores all year. And here's the thing. Like, you know, I mean, top 10 move on. So congratulations to everybody, of course. But you want to go and win. And uh, RGC is great, too. But a 702.8, which is what totally sauce got. I mean, that's good enough to win like 99% of competitions any given weekend anyway. So, I mean, that is... A superior performance from a high level, how do you kind of view the weekend? Just kind of an anomaly, or did you really feel like you had it running from start to finish? Uh, after the cook was done, everything was, went really smoothly, you know, and uh, we, we thought everything was turned in well, and, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, in Wisconsin, sometimes the judging can be a little fickle, and uh, we, uh, we really thought everything was good, and um, luckily we were rewarded with uh, some good scores. And there were some good scores all the way around with, uh, you know, totally sauce and everything else. So, um, and it, the, the strange thing about it is everyone talks about the angel tables and the death tables, you know, looking through the score sheets, there were some lower scoring ones or some better scoring ones, but none of them were really out of bounds. I didn't think, um, in what I saw out of it. So it was a good weekend. I got an email from a judge. We'll call him John. I don't know if he wants me saying his last name or not. And he said, Justin had some tough competition on Saturday. I didn't score anything lower than a 7. Wish him well. Good luck in Arkansas for him. Um, he was one of the judges on Saturday. So I think that kind of, I mean, he's obviously only one of the judges, but that kind of speaks to the, the level of food that was being turned in. Yeah, there were some really, really good teams there. I think uh, Michael said before at the Cooks meeting, there was 44 GCs. This year alone at that wow. contest. From so that's, a, that's pretty impressive. 
from the chicken standpoint, everybody likes to get called in chicken, kind of get that steam rolling for you as you roll down the remaining three categories. Uh, how, how do you feel your chicken has been this year? Um, we started off strong. We got a couple 180s or a 180 in Boone, Iowa, and uh, a lot of high finishes, and then it just dropped off. Um, two contests ago, I completely changed the whole recipe, cooked the same, just different sauce, different seasonings and everything. And then, you know, we're starting to hit again. So it, it was really good, um, tender, you know, what you're looking for. And uh, it, it hit, obviously, you know, fifth place. So that's, that's a good good finish, good good way to start, too. One of the questions I love asking pitmasters, now that I'm a competitor, too, Jason, is, um, <laughs> you know, you did really well. You were getting 180s, and then all of a sudden, through no change of you, unless you're leaving something out, it just dumps on you. I mean, how frustrating is that? as a pit master to say, Hey, this thing was working. Where does it, where does it take the left-hand turn that we didn't see? It's very frustrating. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, you stay your course, you do the same thing. And if it consistently doesn't hit anymore, then, then it's time to change. And, uh, I, I hit that, that point about two, three contests ago that was, you know, it wasn't getting any calls, you know, and, uh, finally you just gotta, you gotta go for it. And, uh, it's hard to do because, you know, you're stepping outside of what you normally do all the time. And, uh, you're not comfortable with that because you've done it so many times the same way. But, uh, the judges are, it's, it's, it's very sensitive to little changes too. So you gotta be careful of that. What flavors were you using in the beginning and what did you switch to profile wise, uh, when you made the change? I, I went from a, uh, it was maybe a little spicier sauce, a lot more flavor to something that's, um, you can consider it a little blander, um, to maybe appeal to more, more of the, across the judging tables versus just, you know, a select judging group. And, uh, I think that's a big change and a, a very good change. You know, um, uh, it still tastes good, has a lot of flavor, a little bit of heat, but it's not, you know, as flavorful as the previous sauce I was using. Is it frustrating that, I mean, I guess human nature would say the more flavor and the more you potentially could stand out, the better, but it seems like it's completely the contrary for competition barbecue. The more you can make middle of the road, or as I believe Mike Davis once coined the phrase, the least offensive barbecue as possible, or maybe that was Darren Worth. Uh, is that frustrating just on a, on a mental sense to think that, hey, I could stand out using this, but I got to kind of float more towards the middle? Yeah, it's very frustrating because, you know, you, you got this parameters you got to stay within. And if you step outside either way too far, too spicy, too sweet, if that's possible, you know, if you hit outside of one of those, you're going to get a judge that does not like that. So, I mean, basically it, it boils down to get something least offensive and then uh, something that's cooked perfectly. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. And uh, Darren's told me that numerous times that you got you just got to cook the meat perf- perfectly every time, and uh, something that doesn't offend people. What do you think constitutes a perfectly cooked chicken? Um, to me, it's something that's tender, uh, skins bite through. Uh, and this is thighs, obviously, and uh, something that doesn't um, it doesn't have that rubbery that or that grainy feel. You know, um, something that bites right off the bone real nice. Um, I'm cooking a higher cooked chicken. You know, it's, uh, you know, but I was doing the 180 degree chicken and I bumped it up a little bit this year, their tail end of the year. Um, try to get a little more tender 
And I think the judges really like that. Moving on to pork ribs, uh, 178.2, you win the category. Uh, what ribs are you using right now, and uh, did you think you had the winning rib? I'm using the um, Smithfield Extra Tenders, you know, like uh, Smitty, as Darren has coined the phrase. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've been using those for quite a bit this year. They're really consistent ribs, um, for me anyways. Um, I'm hanging them on a can, uh, so it. That way it just opens up the rest of my timeline. You know, ribs go on at 9.15 versus before, you know, they go on at 7.30. So uh, my big meats can stay in the cooker longer, and I don't have to hold them as long. And uh, it's been working really well for us this year. It just takes a little little learning curve on that aspect, though. Are you surprised that the Smithfield product has been doing as well in the ribs category? I mean, you know, I, I... It's my job to kind of review and see who's winning, and, and people are posting stuff all over Facebook, and I see a lot more and more of the top teams kind of using the Smithfield from some of the other stuff that's out there. Uh, you know, from your point of view, are you surprised that it seems to be hitting that often? Uh, not really, because uh, once you cook them, you know, there's there's a little bit of different um, different cooking to them, you know, they're, since they are enhanced. But yeah, I think you get a bigger window, and uh, I'm not surprised more teams are winning with them. It's once you figure them out, they're uh, it's a, it's a better product for competition wise because you know you're trying to hit that small window every time, and if you're just off it with a regular rib, these enhanced, you, you really get a, uh, a larger picture to you know hit, and uh, it's worked well for us. It really has, and you know my ribs pretty much on a tee or to a tee can can finish at two hours and fifteen minutes every time. It might be five minutes later on one rack or, you know, maybe seven minutes or something like that. But most of the time it's it's perfect. So they're, they're really good product. Do you like the fact that you can go to a Walmart or, you know, wherever some of these big box stores are and find this product versus having to make sure it shows up at the Lucky's Q compound on time via mail or something like this? Yeah, it's great. Um, I used to get my other meats from a local grocery store. And, you know, they'd order two, three cases in, and I'd pick through them. And if that's all I, they had, that's all they had. Well, with the Walmarts, I got five of them within a half hour of me. So I can just go to those t- twice during the week because, you know, the shipments are regularly coming in. And it works really well because I'm not having to buy so much meat. And I can, I, I got a lot more selection. And I just wish they had the butts in, in our stores. You know, out west, they got all of them. But the ribs, they, you know... They've been pretty consistent around here. All right, so uh, you win ribs, you go to pork, you get seventh overall there. Uh, I, I imagine, you know, top ten in anything, you're, you're pretty happy. How'd you feel about the pork? Pork was really good. Actually, uh, we've been doing, we, we struggled in the past and l- last year and so like that in pork, but we've kind of figured it out. And it was really tender. It was really good. Um, the, the biggest thing is, you know, we won we won that table also. We won all four tables this weekend. So, I mean, you know, highest scoring is seventh place. That's, a, you know, I'll take that any day of the week. So it, it was a very good product. Uh, finally, you have brisket, second place, uh, 176 and a half. So another great performance there. Uh, what are you guys using brisket-wise? Are you a uh, Snake River Farms guy? Yeah, 100% Snake River Farms. Um, this weekend was a little different. We actually did, uh, I cooked a prime point along with it just to give me a little different a little bit more options and you know i turned in all snake river 100 percent the the prime doesn't even compare but just trying to try a few different things to uh give a few more options for us to put in the box 
Is Prime Point like a different purveyor of meat? Well, yeah, it's just the Prime grade. It was, uh, oh, I don't okay. even know what grade it was. It, I think it was Meyer um, Prime. And uh, it was it was good, but, you know, you, you, you taste that Snake River Farms, it's just, there's no comparison, you know, the, the, the depth of flavor and the richness. Is there also any type of gained window on that at all or i mean i hear people talking about oh you get a little bit bigger window blah 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 or is, is that not really the case can you can you screw it up more than you get a bigger window of screw up on it yeah i think a screwed up uh screwed up snake river is going to score uh a little higher than a screwed up prime or you know a lower grade piece of uh, uh brisket or cut of brisket um i i really i really believe that it's worth the money to go the, the higher route um you know the the flavor is just second to none when you come to you're talking any wagyu or anything like that. So two weeks from now, um, give or take, you're going to be in Bentonville, Arkansas, going to the national finals. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong because I didn't do my due diligence. You did you guys win this like the second year in? Yeah. All yes. Right. Yes, we did. Uh, 2012, we won it, and uh, then we went back in 2013. I think we got fourth overall. And then um, 2014, I don't want to talk about. We That's where Madison got us. So uh, it, this last weekend was a little redemption for us. But, um, yeah, so we, we've done well down there. We, we enjoy the contest. It's a good time. They put on a pretty good show, you know, for everyone. So you have one overall win to your credit uh, going down in a couple weeks. Uh, what would it mean to you and, and Katie and the team to pull off a, a second one? That'd be great. Uh, you know, it's, since it's inception, no one's won it twice. So it'd be kind of, uh, kind of neat to go down there and do it again. Um, yeah, it was funny. I was looking at the scores just a little bit ago, the last year's wins, and it's just amazing how good a scores it takes to win down there. I mean, you could get a 170 and you're still going to be in 25th place or 30th place. I mean, in most contests, that's going to be a top 10 call. So it, it, it takes a, it, it's a very, very tough contest, and it takes it takes a lot to win that. Justin McGlone joining me here from uh, Lucky's Q. Uh, Pitmash talking about the win this past weekend, looking ahead to the national final coming up in a couple weeks. So, you know, talk to me about that. I mean, do you think you're kind of peaking right now as you look at, you know, where you guys have come through the season? Uh, how many contests do you guys have under the belt right now? Um, last weekend was 19. Uh, we started at Fire and Ice up on frozen Lake Malak um, in March. So we've been, we, we took reserve there and we've been pretty consistent throughout the year. You know, you hit the midsummer lulls like we always do, you know, everyone gets kind of tired of competing and uh, the heat takes factors in some of that, but we, we actually been pretty consistent throughout the year. We, we went here and there, um, you know, we got four GCs, um, six RGCs. So, you know, it's been pretty consistent throughout most of the season certainly there's going to be a, a stiff field of 50 going down there in a couple of weeks i mean do you guys feel like you're in a, in a really good spot to uh, put it on and take home uh, the second gc of uh, sam's career or what are your thoughts on that yeah i feel pretty good we uh you know the year we won it we won the regional in uh, when it was in rockford so you know a lot of people say it's hard to win you know two contests back to back but you know, we did it that year. We were cooking really well, and I think we're, you know, I feel comfortable with our uh, our game plan and how we cook right now. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's anything's possible. It's just a matter of, you know, hitting the right tables and, 
you know, a little bit of luck and hoping everything goes your way. Do you guys still cook on a, do you have a Jambo too? No. Did no, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm one of the oddballs. I, I cook on a stumps. Um, I got a stump stretch. And, uh, like I said, I use a big Papa's can, hang the ribs on that. And, uh, those are the only two things I use. Have you ever entertained anything else or you're like, Hey, this, this is what works. I'm not even about to mess with any of that other stuff. <laughs> well, I started on the stumps and it's one of those things that I just, I'm so used to. Um, but yeah, I've, I've cooked on the jambos quite a bit with some friends of mine and, uh, I really like the, the pits, how they cook. And, you know, if we were ever to make a big change, um, I would go to a jambo just for the fact, you know, I cook hot and fast. It's the same timeline pretty much, you know, it's just be, you know, learning where everything goes in the pit compared to where it goes in line now. So it's, it's not, a, you know, it's a stick burner versus a, you know, a gravity feed. Obviously it's a little different cook, but, um, I think the products are, you know, very good out of either one. Justin, I was talking with a famed cookbook author, TV show host, cooking class instructor, barbecue hall of famer, Stephen Reichlin. Um, he's on the show once a month in case you didn't know. Um, and yeah. I'm like, Hey, what the f is going on with this emergence of what we've we're calling sous vide barbecue, where somebody's taking a brisket or a pork butt and putting it in a sous vide bath with you know the things you hang off the bucket now instead of yeah. having those huge ass uh, you know bread looking machines and taking it up to like 165, 170 degrees and then finishing it off on the smoker. I mean, when is enough enough? Is it enough now? Can we call it enough? That seems too simple. <laughs> I mean, if you know, it takes a little bit, a little bit of skill out of it. You know, if I guess for home use or something, you know, you have something done quick and not have to worry about it. But but if it takes um, twenty hours or thirty two hours to bring a ten pound pork butt to one hundred and seventy degrees, are you completely defeating the purpose? You could have two or three done in sixteen hours tops, right? Yeah, tops. easily, e- easily. Oh. I think I think uh, the part of it is you're missing, you know, the whole aspect of where everyone wants to do it. You know, you want to sit around the fire and, you know, have a couple of beers and relax. I mean, that's kind of part of it for me anyway. So. Are you saying that the dialogue that it's creating is we are reaffirming how lazy America is getting, even as it trickles down into the world of barbecue? Yes. <laughs> oh, good, because if you were going to say so. no, I was going to say, yeah, it is. No doubt about it. All right. Justin and I continue to agree on many topics. This is certainly one of them. Uh, he is the pitmaster of Lucky's Q. They won last week's regional final in Madison. Redemption, as he says, and are pointing to the national final in Bentonville, Arkansas, in a couple weeks. Jason, uh, wish you nothing but success down there, my friend, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for coming out tonight. All right, thanks for having me, Greg. You got it. There he is. Justin McGuire. Lucky's Q. What? He's ready. He's point. It's like uh, the NCAA tournament when you pare down, you get to the 64 teams, and you start to look, what team is peaking? Right? Uh, just for point of note, and I have plenty of time set up on the backside of this break to get into it, I am not not chigging. I am not. I am not angling. I am not looking to make a dash into the competition scene. None of that. None of it. History will show that if you go back and listen to any any interview I've done with a competitor, 
it's been the same more or less line of questioning that you would normally get. You're listening to it a little bit more intently because I did a rib ah rib competition this past weekend. I am not asking for any more information that I usually ask for. It's just the fact that usually you're listening more intently to the answers and not the questions because you people are trying to shig for my guests. How dare you? I've never been so insulted. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the Cook Shack smoker. The Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in the backyard, in the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, a smoking, grilling 101, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. They still have a barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion. Ed Fast, Eddie Morin, the FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow or hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Boom. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call them, 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit their website, cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. Thanks to Stuart, thanks to Eddie, thanks to the whole gang over in Ponca City, Oklahoma. All right, uh, we are recapping my first competition. Maybe I will call in on the phone to answer competitions. Come on now. Here we go. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Stick around. We'll be right back. to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. It it is a veritable struggle here. Oh, my Lord. 
This portion of the show is brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made-in-the-USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, patented, by the way. Barbecue accessory hangers, rocket-hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. The fine products from Unknown Smoker Accessories keep your gear where it needs to be at arm's length and ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today. Use promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, to get 10% off your entire order. Once again, unknownbbq.com slash shop, promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E. Go there now. Stock it up. All right, so let me make sure I'm getting everything rounded out here. Uh, This past weekend, September 17th, I uh, took part in a rib contest that was put on by Hartville Hardware. By the way, for those that don't know Hartville Hardware, uh, A, why would you? But more importantly, Hartville Hardware just happens to be uh, like, not even like, it is the biggest hardware store in the United States of America. Biggest. 300,000 square feet under roof, or as I would call it, my house. 300,000 square feet. No doubt. Makeup and powder, no doubt. How, you ask, did one get lulled into, tricked, hoodwinked, and or otherwise into this event? Well, like anybody does anything. Facebook. I just happened to be going I through my time feed. I don't even know how the hell it came up. But this thing from Eventbrite.com, which is like a third-party date situation, said, Duma Meet. Rib contest September 17th in Hartville. And I was like, huh, September 17th? I think Ray Lampy's supposed to be down there. And I think Chad Ward is supposed to be down there, which ended up being Doug Scheiding going to be down there. And here's the kicker $30, $30 got you entry in. You don't have to bring a cooker. They had 10 spots for Traeger and 10 spots for Big Green Egg because those were uh, two of the three exhibitors or four exhibitors that were out there. I think Sabre was exhibiting Weber, Big Green Egg, Traeger. Maybe there were some other smaller ones. I don't know. But you got to pick between a Traeger or Big Green Egg. I chose Traeger just because I did not want to mess around with trying to have to get the uh, temperature leveled out and uh, I didn't have my barbecue guru to use. So I picked Traeger. I have a lot of experience cooking on pellet grills from a high level. So I did it. Also, for that $30, the cooker and two racks of ribs provided by the meat vendor. Now, if you win best ribs via Traeger, so you had two contests within the contest. You had best ribs Traeger, best ribs Big Green Egg, and then Traeger and Big Green Egg won head to head. Well, the highest score, I guess accumulated to the overall grand championship between cookers. So if you win the Traeger ribs, you get $250 gift card. You win the Big Green Eggs, you get $250 gift card. You win overall, you get an additional $250 gift card. So for a mere $30, I had the chance of getting back $500, which by barbecue competition standards is like a billion dollars. 
30 bucks. I don't have to bring a cooker. I don't have to bring any meat. All I had to do was bring paper towels, all of my accoutrement, my spices, rub, sauces, blah, blah, blah. That was it. I have that stuff for days down in the prize closet. So, in a moment of weakness, I chipped off 30 bucks, and I was like, no brainer. For chance to win 500, I am in. Next morning, I woke up. I was like, no! What are you doing? I realized, while the financial aspect seems like a no-brainer, indeed, it's a no-win. Now, remember, let me preface this by saying, uh, you know, this is my own neuroses taking over. Not Most normal humans wouldn't think like this. And I'm like, what are you doing? You've put yourself in an impossible situation. You're going to go down there, and if you win... You're going to come back on this show. I mean, I don't care about any of the people that were competing out there. They have no idea who I am, and nor should they. But I'm going to come back on this show Tuesday and say, hey, I won the barbecue competition for ribs. Am I going to get kudos, high fives, and otherwise fanny slaps? Negative. I'm going to get, yeah, well, no shit you won. Look who you know. You know everybody. You get all this stuff, but you should win. Fair. Or, as what happened, I'm going to have to come on the show Tuesday and go, uh, I didn't win. What? How could you not win? You know everybody and you get all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. How could you not win? (laughs) That's Sunday after I made the commitment Saturday. Or Friday or whatever it was. The next morning, I woke up and I was like, decommit, decommit, decommit. No win situation. So, I couldn't quit or, you know, not, like not show up. So, I started documenting how I was feeling in the morning. That's going to be turning into its own release into the podcast feed. My days of documentation leading up to and then over the course of the cook, which you may or may not find interesting. And uh, I did uh, t- uh, three three practice cooks that week. Once immediately the next day after I entered, I had one the following day, and then one on Friday before the rib cook on Saturday, uh, trying to practice in a, a handful of different scenarios. And I think I got it kind of pared down to putting the ribs on at ten. Uh, they were due for turning at two. And I thought I had enough time. What I didn't account for, I think the the biggest Achilles for me was that in the Traeger grill which I could have probably overcome or or set better with the big green egg is that I had it set at 225 for the size racks that I had I thought I had that well played out in my plan leading up the cooker was running low at 225 it spent a lot of time at like 209 and 211 and after about an hour and 15 minutes hour and 20 minutes I'm like hey this thing is not changing it's staying low. I got to adjust. So then I bumped up to 250, and it was kind of what I guess what we've come to figure out because a lot of the other Traeger people were saying the same stuff. They were saying, you know, I have it pegged at X, but it's really like 10, 11, 12 degrees lower on the thermostatic readout or on the digital readout. So enough time had elapsed where I couldn't 
I didn't end up making it back up in the foil or you know kicking it up to 300 degrees and rushing it because that wasn't in my plan and I was working the plan and all this other crap that I learned from you mother effers all the time. Work the plan, work the plan. Consistency, consistency. Spraying every 30 minutes, using some grilling oil every 30 minutes, um, little secret stuff every 30 minutes, try and keep that bark nice, set, not hard, soft for the cut. That part of it was fine. So in the end, they looked great, looked exactly how I wanted them. They tasted exactly how they wanted them. They did not meet the tenderness situation that I needed to really have a shot at winning. Uh, Overall... On the Traeger side of things, third overall. On the overall overall between Traeger and Green Egg, seventh overall. (laughs) Wait a sec. Somebody's talking S about me. $30 $30 after consumables in time, Manhattan office. So, uh, you know, uh, just me, again, wildly disappointed that I didn't win. Like, I expect if I go in, I'm winning. And everything else is a failure after that. So, this effort was a failure. Now, if they were, if I could get them more tender, I would have done better. Uh, the flavor was good. Here's what I have to say from a, so that's what I would do different. I, I, you know, to have it differently, if I could go back and do it differently, I would have put them on it either an hour earlier, or I would have started at uh, two sixty-five or whatever the next setting up from two fifty is on the Traeger, and I think I would have been all right. Slice them. Use kale to garnish. I said I used kale to garnish. I said it. I garnished that box because you eat with your eyes first, right? Hello. Is there a hypocrite on the phone? Hypocrite, hello? Why? If it's optional, it was optional. Let me tell you how much garnish evidently didn't matter. Because the guy, Keith Harris, that won it, did not garnish the box. Keith did not garnish the box. Turned in naked box with ribs. He won. Here's the bottom line, folks. Okay. I will. I would absolutely do another rib contest. I think ribs is my wheelhouse. I think I could win at ribs. I think if I could use my own cookers, I would have a much better shot just because I'm used to it. For here's what. There's two things I have to say. Uh, number one. While I never did not respect each and every competitive barbecue cook out there. FBA, KCBS, IBCA, you name it. The new level of respect that I have for guys that are out there doing it once or 50 times during the course of a competition season has grown by leaps and bounds. There is such a newfound respect out here that I can't even properly put it into words because here I am, a dope who didn't need to bring any meat, just spices and some other stuff, and have... Literally from 7 o'clock in the morning until 2 to cook one category. And I'm like, how the hell would I be able to manage chicken and pork butt and brisket on top of all of this? Hell no. Get that big stuff out of here. 
after I had cut my ribs, and I Cadillac cut them, right? So there was meat on both ends. I didn't cut up against the bone on one side and leave meat on the other. I, doing the whole thing, right? I was cutting you know, down the short side of one and then over and then down and then quite, right next to Good-looking cuts. I'm taking them, and like my hand was like literally shaking like I had the DTs. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? It's a rib category. What are you even, what are you so worried about? Settle down, chief. These are the conversations I'm having with myself. So the fact that you guys have the plan and you work the plan to do three additional categories, three additional categories, literally is mind-blowing to me. I have no idea how you can do it, especially for the single cook teams. I'm not saying I needed anybody else to help me with ribs because I think one more person for ribs would have been a pain in the ass. So that's number one. Number two, I have in my hands here the scorecards. This is where I know if if the first reason was reason enough why I would never do a KCBS competition, this wasn't the thing where, oh, I'm hooked, I'm in. This is one of those things where the hook ripped through my mouth and I am running away. I'm out. The judging was all over the board. So much so that I can't even begin to imagine shucking $1,000 to go to a KCBS or FBA or IBCA contest and putting my best efforted products in front of somebody else to have them give me this? There's no way I can reconcile that with myself. Here it is. Judge number one. That was box 10. Uh, these are uh, appearance and tenderness slash texture out of 25, taste out of 50. Appearance 20 out of 25. Not bad. Tenderness texture 15 out of 25. All right. Taste 20 out of 25. 20? That's 30 points. I get 55 out of 100 total on that judge. Dumbass. Judge number two. Appearance, 24 out of 25. Missed it by one. Tenderness, texture, 22 out of 25. Love that one. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Taste, 47 out of 45. This judge gave me 93 out of 100. Judge number three, appearance 23 out of 25. Tenderness texture, 22 out of 25. Taste, 45 out of 50 for a total score of 90. I'm rolling. Rolling. Judge number four, appearance 15 out of 25. Tenderness texture, 12 out of 25. 12? Taste, 30 out of 50. Where are my 20 points at? For a total score of 57 out of 100. What? How can I get a 55 and a 57, and then the two judges before that give me 93 and 90? 93 and 90. Almost perfect scores. Then the other two give me almost half. Final judge. Appearance, 20 out of 25. Tenderness, texture, 15 out of 20. What? 
taste 35 out of 50. That's another 50 points. 70 out of 100 for that judge. Come on. Get that big stuff out of here. Total score, 365. Uh, 4-10 or 4-11 won it. I mean, I, 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 in, in the microcosm that is competition barbecue that I lived for one event in a non-sanctioned event for spending $30 on two racks of ribs, to have that discrepancy in scoring is absolutely mind-boggling, which further justifies in my mind that I would never go drop $1,000 to have that kind of a scoring happen to me and my team. No fucking way. There is no way I could possibly live with myself if I got a scorecard back like this all over the goddamn place, dropping $1,000. No way. No way. I would never be able to get over that. Which is just one more reason... Why you guys that are out there doing it and that know and hear and love whatever's happening there, a, a whole new respect that you are you have you have agreed with yourself to to put up with that. This is a non-sanctioned event. I'm worked up like I just got jobbed at the American Royal for crying out loud. Give me a break. All right, gang, uh, if you are like me, you're always thinking of ways to step up the barbecue and grilling game. There is no better or easier way to do that than by adding a little Butcher Barbecue to your arsenal. By the way, Butcher Barbecue, 50% of my rub combination this past weekend. That's right, honey rub. Butcher's well-known for the injections, the pork, the beef, the prime injection, the bird boosters, the grilling oils, the rubs, honey rub, brisket rub, pecan rub. Chipotle rub, secret rub. Did I say Chipotle? Pecan. If you're looking for those go-to rubs or sauces, hit up butcherbbq.com. If you have a bad injection from somebody else that's been commercially made, you can send it to Dave. Go hit the trade-in link, print off that label, and then send back what you have of the stuff you don't like, and he'll send you back stuff that you ask of his, making his customers and his competition customers very happy. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com and stock up. Also, if you want the sauce, sweet barbecue sauce. We're back to wrap up. I'm sorry. ButcherBBQ.com. Sorry for the short read there. Uh, we're back to wrap up the show as I have a couple quick mentions. Stick around. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, quickly, before I run out of time. The best part of this past week was finally getting to meet Ray Lampy Dr. Barbecue in person. I had dinner with Ray at Mabel's Barbecue on Wednesday evening. If you've never met Ray before, the guy that you see on my show the first Tuesday of each month, he's that guy. He's not putting it on on this show. He's not like more down or up or anything. He is the same guy. 
And to be able to sit across the table from him for like four or five hours, talk about the barbecue we ate, but talk just talk in general about me and him and getting to know each other on a personal level in person instead of just doing it through the internet was absolutely spectacular. We got a little hang time uh, down in Hartville as well, but he was busy doing the Big, big Green Egg demo. But that Wednesday night was very special for me. It's something I'm never going to be able to forget. I did get some audio of us uh, reviewing Mabel's. Uh, that'll be up. Uh, maybe something I'll play next week, so look for that. Uh, also, the embedded Texas correspondent and pitmaster champion, world championship pitmaster, uh, Doug Shiding, I also met this past week. Uh, less than 12 hours, I turned right back around and went to Mabel's uh, for a lunch date with Dougie. And uh, we had some different meats, some of the same stuff, uh, but I didn't care about eating there. It was, uh, again, just get, you know, Doug is like, a lot, of, a lot of people tell me, wow, you're a lot taller than I figured to be. But you, I mean, you just see me sitting down every week. So, you know, what do you know? Doug is like, I think, maybe an inch or two taller than me. I'm like 6'2". So, I mean, he's a big, tall guy. I knew when I saw him walking down East 4th Street, I saw him before he saw me, he had this big-ass Texas belt buckle. And I was like, I've never seen Doug in person before. I guarantee that's Doug Shiding walking down the street right at me. Sure as shit. Texas belt buckle and all. There you go. Great lunch. And we actually got to do a little bit more hang stuff at the competition. He stopped over by my cooker while the competition was going on, asked me how things are going, this, that, and the other thing. Um, he stayed out of it as he should, you know, with uh, any pointers, which I appreciate. Um, but, man, I'm telling you, it was so great. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, when the thing was over, uh, we had a, a couple bullet bourbon cocktails before I pushed off and headed north. But uh, getting to see a guy who really, you know, I've said it time and time again, Doug puts in a lot of time on this show that, you know, a lot of time doesn't necessarily get to air or will only make it over to Meathead's podcast. But his efforts to bring Texas barbecue to this show uh, do not go unnoticed, do not go unappreciated. And to get the the hang time that I'm able to get with him, um, this past weekend was uh, absolutely spectacular. And uh, again, it's it's a relationship that I'm very happy starting to grow personally. But, I mean, it was just a great overall weekend for me and, and week starting Wednesday night and, and pushing forward there regardless of the competition, uh, which I'm obviously still a little bit bitter about. But meeting those two, uh, making some great relationships with some of the uh, upper echelon of Traeger, uh, Terry Pearson, who's the Traeger dealer out here local to me, but Luke Edgar, who is the VP of specialty sales in the United States of America, had a great uh, couple conversations with him. So a lot of great, a lot of good business stuff that happened out there. A lot of good interviews that I didn't get to play tonight, uh, especially the winner of the ribs competition, Keith Harris, which I will get to uh, maybe next week, or I'll just post it into the feed so you can take a listen to it. So uh, absolutely spectacular. That's how I'm going to close it out. Let's go ahead and uh, get ready to rock. All right, Helen in Paradise. Here we go. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Stephen Reichlin, barbecuebible.com, projectsmoke.org. Then we talked with Jason Whitcomb, unknown barbecue, unknownbbq.com, slash shop, promo code REMPY. Second hour, Justin McGlawn, Lucky's Q, talked about the big win this past weekend at the Madison-Wisconsin Regional Final for Sam's Club and looking ahead to two weeks at the National Final. And, of course, recapping the Hartville Hardware uh, Grill Fest rib cook-off. Congratulations to 
Keith Harris, I believe, has said uh, his new team name was going to be Kryptonite Barbecue. I also uh, had an interview with a guy named Bill Goble, which I'll get up, and uh, uh, Keith Harris. So look forward to that. All right. That's going to do it. We have a jam-packed show for you next week already. It's going to be huge. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.